Welcome to the Forerunner Church Podcast, where we highlight key messages and themes related to the body of Christ, inviting you to connect with our spiritual family as we grow in passion for Jesus and compassion for people. For more information, visit forerunnerchurch.com. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. Okay, we're going to chat this morning about Gideon. We know the story of Gideon, right? We all know that story in Judges 6, 1 through 24. We're going to just reference it. And um, But I would like to talk about Gideon as it relates to us, okay? Who, who, who wants to do some personal conversations? Uh-huh, uh-huh, I see you. Okay, so what we're looking at is... We're looking at Gideon was a judge in Israel, and we all know the story of Israel when they came out of Egypt, and God delivered them. They had good times. They had really bad times. They had good times. They had really bad times, and that was their history. And at this point, it's one of the times that they were doing poorly, and primarily, almost every time they were doing poorly, it was because they had stepped away from obeying God. They had stepped away from falling, following his uh, rules, from working through their hearts, from just saying yes to him, right? You know, in times of ease, when life is going good, you know, you remember those times when life was going good, anyone? When life is going good, we tend to get slack in our behavior, don't we? And that's what you see the Israelites doing. And so God is going to pursue this young man named Gideon. And it was a really intense time because they were being invaded by these people called the Midianites who were the bad guys. I'm just going to call them the bad guys, right? All those ite people are bad guys. So anyway, the, the Midianites were coming after them. But here's the catch. They actually destroyed them. And Gideon was so afraid that he was, they were in a time of poverty. Let me just say this real quick. They were in a time of poverty. They were in time of powerlessness and they were in time of persecution, okay? But here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take Israel and make it about you. So when I'm talking about Israel, I'm talking about you, okay? Right? Are you with me? Because it's easy to talk about Israel and have no connection with what's happening. But I think it's a mirror for us to look at us. How many of us land in times of powerlessness, in times of personal poverty, not just financial, but internal poverty, uh, personal powerlessness, where you can't consistently overcome some of the basic issues in your own life? Who's with me? or at least the lives of the people next to you, right? They, you can, but they can't, right? And so what you're seeing in this moment of history in Judges 6 is that God finds Gideon, like God finds many of us, hiding from his enemies. How many of us are hiding internally from the enemy of our soul, We find ourselves in positions we never considered. God finds Gideon threshing his wheat in a wine press. Now, I'm no farmer, 
but I'm assuming wheat and wine presses don't go together, right? Wheat is threshed in a pretty open space. A wine press is down further, you're stomping. And, it, and if you look at the historic thing, it's actually in a hole. And Gideon is in the hole threshing his wheat. Why? I mean, how foolish. Because he knew that his enemies were after him. They were incredibly poor. And he was hiding so they wouldn't find him and steal his wheat. And that's where God actually finds him. That's where the story of Gideon begins, down in a hole. How many of us find ourselves emotionally in holes, hiding? Now, we may not be wholly hiding, no pun intended. We may not be completely hiding, but we have pockets of our lives in which we hide. We have areas of our lives. We have thought processes. Now, here's what they're saying. In this, they say he was hiding because of fear. I'm going to exchange the word fear for anxiety because anxiety is one of the number one things that has happened in society today. Anxiety has increased over depression. It's, it started about five years ago. And the earth's rumblings, the, the wars, not even the rumors, the wars... The, the lawlessness in the streets, the fires, the governments, the pandemics, anxiety is increasing. Are you following me? And we live with it. And so what you see is fear and anxiety are really similar, uh, similar words and similar behaviors inside of our soul. And what's happening is God's finding Gideon full of anxiety. And that's where God meets him. And he says to him, <clears throat> he looks at it and he says, oh, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's looking around his hole going, I thought I was here by myself. And he says, you are, I'm calling out you. And Gideon goes, you got the wrong guy. Now here's the beauty of this story. There's many beautiful parts of the story. But one of my favorite parts of the story is, is Gideon actually has the conversation with God. He lets him know what he's thinking. And many of us think we can't have those conversations. Many of us think I'm going to be in trouble if I let him know what I'm feeling and thinking. We think I can't communicate my negative, my emotional, my out of control, my out of body sometimes thoughts. Are you with me? And we hide them. And God goes, I, I actually see you. You're not hiding anything from me. I see everything about you. There's nothing hidden from the eyes of the Lord. I mean, I think that's kind of a beautiful thought. And it's a painful thought, right? Because you're going, I mean, nothing, God? I mean, is there nothing? Like, am I not? There's nothing I'm squeezing out by myself. And he goes, no, no, I see that, Tracy. I see what's going on in your soul. I see what's going on in your heart. And so Gideon's lowliest, darkest moment when sin and shame and anxiety has overwhelmed him, the God's light tore through that darkness. Isn't that a great thought? That God's light tore through that darkness. Right there, he says, I, I'm, I'm going to raise you up out of that wine press, Gideon. I'm coming after you. I see you hiding 
And so what we see is when the Lord says, the Lord is with you, Gideon, O mighty man of valor. That's what he starts with. He doesn't start with, okay, you need to change this attitude. You need to do this. You need to do this now. Those things end up happening, but that's not actually how God starts. How God starts with Gideon is actually prophesying over to him who he is in God. And I mean, I'm not sure that's what I'm doing with the people next to him. I'm like, could you just act normal? I mean, could you change? I mean, you're you're driving me crazy, right? We're letting everyone know what they're doing wrong. And that's not what God's doing. That's not what he's communicating. And Gideon, God begins to let Gideon know of his promise over him. He says, I'm, I'm here to speak to you. I'm here to show you the things that I'm going to do with you. I'm here to let you know that how you see you is not how I see you. How you view you is not how I view you. How you feel about you is not how I feel about you. And I actually think that that's the enemy of our soul is ourselves, right? The battleground of the mind. And so when God says the Lord is with you, he's like, my power is on you, Gideon. Gideon could not see that. He could not feel it. He wasn't sure whom God was even speaking of. And I think that's incredibly true of most of our lives. When we see how God sees us, holy sees us, the end of our story sees us. Are you, ta- are you hearing me? Like, I think that our stories are, the, the, are chapter books. And hopefully my chapter book is a good 90 plus years old. I'd like, to, I'd like that to be the truth. I hope God gives me long life. I have to quit eating sugar to partner with that. But, you know, we're having a conversation. And so I say that to say that the, then I'm in a 90 chapter book. And so 63, 64 may not look good, but 65 could look amazing. Many of you count yourself out at 35, at 40, because things aren't what you think they should be. And God goes, I actually know the end of your story. I know the end of your book. I need you to stand steady. I need you to just take a deep breath and line yourself up with what I'm saying you are. Read the word, connect with what I'm communicating and not give up in the midst, not go into holes. Now we aren't physically hiding, but many of us emotionally are. And some of us draw back physically, but many of us emotionally hide And we even hide from ourselves. We don't even have the conversation with ourselves of what's going on in our souls. Gideon knew what was going on, at least with himself, because he told the Lord. He has the conversation with him. It's it's brilliant, and to me, it's slightly offsetting, to be honest, because I couldn't imagine doing this. Like, if the Lord's going to come talk to me, I'm not going to look at him and go, yeah, I'm not buying it, God. But here's the catch. I probably slightly live like that. Are you with me? But Gideon, really, he actually had the conversation with him. But God looked at Gideon and said, I've been with you. And that truth should comfort our souls. It should comfort me. It says he will never leave us or forsake us. That's actually, he started with Gideon when Gideon was in his sin. I'm with you. I'm right here, Gideon. I mean, isn't that beautiful? Now, I, I just, 
It's almost too much to believe. It's too good. That in the midst of our agony, in the midst of our shame, in the midst of our hiddenness, in the midst of our addictions, in the midst of our ugliness and the way we talk to the people that we live with, in the midst of how we behave, in the midst of lack of character, God goes, I'm with you. I'm thinking, really? I mean, I don't know. How about you make them act normal and then tell them you're with them? And he goes, no, I'm actually with you. And me being with you is going to comfort you and encourage you to come out of hiding. Just to come out of hiding. And that's what he does with Gideon. It says that he's with us even to the end of the age. That he dwells with us. That he will never leave us orphans. That he will come to us. Those are the promises in the midst of these uh, uh, times. And so what we see is God's perception Gideon actually doesn't agree with. God's perception of Gideon, Gideon doesn't actually agree with. God's promise was he was going to make Gideon a great man. God's perception is that um, he saw who Gideon was in his soul, which was a mighty warrior. He saw it. And Gideon's anxiety had a louder voice than God's. How much of our anxiety of what's going on just in the nation today just is speaking louder than God's voice? And I don't mean about just the big events that are happening. We all hear about those big events, amen? I mean, right? Am I the only one listening to the big events? I'm trying not to listen to the big events. I'm just trying to act normal today. I'm kind of serious. I think it's really hard. I think character is a hard thing to do. I think character is a hard thing to choose every day, all day, in all ways. Amen? Especially, I can do it with you guys for an hour or two. But I mean the people you get in the car with and go home with. I mean the people that you're living with. I mean your children that aren't performing the way you want them to. Your husband, your wife, your parents. I think that's hard. Amen? I mean, no biggie. Right? 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 I mean, you sound like the first service. The first service doesn't talk, folks. If you don't want to talk, come to the first service. You're required to talk at the second, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And so anyway, I'm saying that ultimately what ends up happening is God's giving Gideon his perspective of who he says Gideon is, and Gideon is disagreeing. Because Gideon lives with Gideon. Gideon hears all of his inside conversation with himself. But the Lord knows us that deeply. He knows our innermost part. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Nothing that I'm thinking or feeling or doing is hidden from God's sight. Now, that's a helpful thing to remember, but I think we tend to forget that nothing is hidden because we're trying to hide what we're doing. Are you with me? And he goes, "Ah, Tracy, I mean, I love you, sweet girl, but I see you. I'm like, I see what you're doing when no one's around. I see how you talk when you're irritated. Not that I'm ever irritated, but I see how you talk. I see how you're short. I see how you, when no one knows that you're talking to Sprint or no one, right? Come on. Or you're going around that, you know, or you're going around that, you know, that circle in, you know, Grandview. You know what I mean? You're like, oh my gosh, people just drive, right? He goes, I actually see you, right? I mean, come on. And so it's like, ultimately he's going, Nothing is hidden. 
you don't, you, you, you don't have to hide from me what's going on. You can go, God, I'm actually having a hard time in this specific arena. I'm having a hard time in this area of my life. I'm having a hard time in places that I, I just don't want to do it anymore because I'm just kind of scared and it's not actually working out the way we want. Because anxiety and fear will get you into places you never considered being. I know that because I'm 64, I'm older, and I've done it for 40 years, and I look at people and go, you promised yourself you'd never be where you are, and it's astonishing where you are. Are you with me? It gets us places. You think Gideon wanted to be threshing wheat down in a wine press? That doesn't even make sense. I mean, I don't know how it works, but I know it doesn't make sense. He knew how it worked. So he knew it didn't make sense. How many of us in this room, and I'm talking to myself, how many of us are doing things we know we shouldn't be doing? It doesn't make sense, but we keep doing it. Because we're just driven by anxiety. We just need some relief. We're driven by fear. We're driven by hopelessness. We're driven by oppression. We're, di- we're driven by sadness. We're driven by things that shouldn't have happened and they happen and we don't know how to get out of them. We don't know who to tell. We don't know who to trust, right? And that's this room. Praise God we're in this room, amen? Because we get to choose to come out of hiding. Now, we don't want to come out of hiding to everybody, FYI. And don't come out of hiding on social media. Um, I mean, find a trustworthy person to talk to, right? Find a trustworthy person who you could say, this actually isn't working the way I thought it was going to work. I'm actually, yeah. I thought, it was, I thought I would feel different at this stage of my life. You know, I just want to say for some of the younger ones, I know I'm not that old. I, I kind of pretend I realize I've got another good 30 years. At least that's what I tell my children. And um, they're going, 30 more years? Okay. Hmm, okay. And so anyway, they, I say that to say that ultimately what happens is the older you get, the more you have to, you, the more you have to be disappointed over. So all you sweet young ones, which is 60 and under, <laughs> 60 and under, you know, younger gets older quickly. And I say that to say, you actually are going to have more to be disappointed over because your life is longer. There's more to be disappointed over because life doesn't turn out the way we think. Amen. Because one plus one didn't add up to two every time. Amen. And so we have to connect with where we are in that process. When God's talking to Gideon, when God's looking at him going, this is who I say you are. This is who I think you, this is who I believe you to be. Gideon's going, no, that's not happening. And some of you go, I don't know who God says I am. Well, Psalms 139 says, ask the Lord to search you and he'll search you, to try you. And he's super faithful of letting you know who you are wildly faithful. There's one thing God, there's many things God is. One of them is faithful. He is faithful. I regularly ask God to put his finger on my heart in areas I don't see. And I, this is my prayer. I said, just gently put your finger on that. Gently, gently is a big word. I'm like, gently put your finger on that area of my heart, Lord. And I'm asking you, God, to not move it till I see it. Now, there's many times I've been really sad. I, I asked that prayer. And there's been many times I'm really thankful I asked that prayer. The sad ones is it was more than I thought that was going on in my heart. And I thought I was like killing it. And he goes, you are, but there's some things I want you to look at. And then the fact that he does that makes me really happy that he does that. 
I, I pray that prayer regularly. Put your finger on my heart, Lord. I invite you to put your finger on my heart. Open my eyes to me. Because, you know, our eyes are open to the people next to us. Amen? I mean, those are easy. It's like, oh, honey, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> right? We could just and do that one. But I'm going, no, I actually need you to do this to me, Lord. Because I don't, I'm not seeing it. I, I'm not seeing what I'm hiding from myself. And so this is God's conversation with Gideon. Gideon comes back with confusion. I, I want you to hear me. I'm, Gideon comes back going, no, I actually don't believe this. And, and you see that in verse 13. He, he questions God's presence. He questions God's performance. And he questions God's uh, uh, perception. He literally questions all three of those things to God, which I'm thinking, you're doing what? Like if God's talking to me, face-to-face, you know, in in the appearance of an angel, I'm thinking I'm hitting the ground. At least that's what is going on in my head. I'm going to be humble. I'm saying, yes, Lord, are you with me? Aren't you? You're you're not. I'm assuming you're not thinking if God shows up, you're going to argue with him. (laughs) But that's actually what he does. He argues with God. Here's the thing. God's not moved by that. God's not even mad by that. Now, we are with our own children, amen? Like, listen, dude, I told you to do what I asked you to do. Could you just do it? Like, I don't want any back talk. I don't want to have a conversation. I don't, right? And God goes, bring me your conversation. That's a parenting class. Praise God, mine are older. (laughs) But anyway, I mean, I look at it and go, he's actually arguing. He looks at God and goes, where's your presence been found in our area? We haven't seen you. He questions God's presence. Where where are you, God? I've not seen you. Have you guys seen him? His performance, he's like, where are all the miracles? We hear about miracles, but we hear about the old miracles when they came out of Egypt, but that was 200 years ago. We haven't seen you. We actually need to see you. What's happening, God? I'm, I'm questioning your perception of what you're telling me because I don't see it. So you're going to have to help me. And then he says, he goes, please tell me what is going on. And what I love is that God's not upset with him. God's not even impatient with him. God is unendingly just in kind in ways that is just inconceivable with someone arguing with you. It's hard for us to Even when we're wrong and we're arguing, it's hard to be nice. God's right, and the guy's arguing with him, and he could crush him like a little fly, and he's not. He goes, okay, let's let's have a conversation. Let's talk. What's your conversation with God? Are, Are we even having that conversation? Did we even know we got to have that conversation? I mean, don't you love the idea that you get to have a conversation and not be in trouble? I just don't want to be in trouble. I mean, are you seeing the theme in my life? I realize it. I realize the childhood stuff, blah, 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 mom, dad. I get it. I'm just saying it's real. It comes up. I want to do what's right before the eyes of the Lord. And he says, I'm going to do this for you, Gideon. We learn in the future that Gideon comes from a family of idolaters. Gideon's a believer in an unbelieving family, and God's choosing this man. Gideon is is refusing to worship idols. 
and his family doesn't like him. So one of his complaints to God is, I'm the weakest among them. I'm a nobody in my family. Anyone got the nobody? Who's the nobodies in your family? I'm a nobody. Anyone else? Like I'm on the lowest. It's usually the bottom of the totem pole. Who's at the bottom with me? Right? And it's like, those, those are like, mm, they're not going to happen. You know, when they, when they called forth David, you know, they went, the brothers are like, yeah, don't even invite him to dinner. There's no way he's getting picked. So he doesn't even need to come to dinner. Like, let's just save a plate. And, and what you see is God goes, no, I'm actually going for the weaker ones. I, I'm going to do that. Moses and Gideon both had excuses. I can't do this. I'm full of anxiety. I can't speak. I can't talk. They don't know me. I'm weak. I'm feeble. This isn't going to happen. Now, listen, I'm talking about Tracy and her inward man and how she thinks and walks her Christian life out. And I'm asking and inviting you to do the same with you. What's going on? Do you feel weak? Do you feel powerless over your addictions? Powerless over your sin? Powerless over your tongue? Powerless over your inability to consistently be kind? Powerless over just doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it? The fastest coming up, who's cheering for that one, right? It's like, oh, did a month already pass? I'm not convinced. I mean, are you sure it's the first? I just, yeah, not sure, right? It's like, oh, oh, okay, the fast, I'm so excited, right? And it's that, it's that powerlessness over just the daily disciplines. I, I'm just being honest. I want to do it. My elbow doesn't. My elbow keeps bending, right? I keep eating. It's my point. My elbow, that's a bad joke. That's a bad father joke. I got it from a dad somewhere, I am sure. But my point is, I, my soul wants to do it and I don't. Are you with me? I'm telling myself before the Lord, oh, I do those fast. It's like, when's the last time you did it? I mean, let's not get personal. I mean, don't ask, don't tell. And I'm not asking or telling myself. Do you know what I mean, though? I'm being a little silly, but ultimately, where are my daily disciplines? What am I worrying over? What am I not finding the ability to just stand against in my own self? And this is what I believe is God is wanting us to look at from the story. I think the story is powerful. I think it's an incredibly powerful story because he was challenged to start looking at his circumstances. He was challenged to start looking at God instead of his circumstances. You know, when we look at our circumstances, we're convinced God's not going to be around. And here's what happens. When we look at our circumstances, we start changing our theology of who God is. Right? So if this is the challenge we're facing, this podium, over here, we're thrilled about God. And God's amazing. He's faithful. He's glorious. And then something tragic happens. Right? And then over here, we're like, mm, I don't think God's that. Because this actually changed how we viewed God. This shouldn't change how we view God. This might inform me on how God handles situations, but God's still faithful over here. But do you know how hard that fought battle is? It's hard. That's why our love grows cold. It's hard. I mean, we still show up. We're still in the prayer room. I mean, we still really may be fasting, but our heart's a little cold. I don't want my heart to be cold. I want my heart to be hot. And it's not. I mean, sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. And I want to have that conversation with me. 
And I want to be that woman that God has called me to within my family structure, within the things that he's put my hand to. Are you with me? Um, I love uh, looking at the different evidences of God being in the lives of weak men and women. He used Abraham from a pagan home. From a pagan home, he called Abraham. Abraham's the father of our faith. From a pagan home, we're worried about public schools. He was from a pagan home. Pagan. They worshiped idols in his home. And we, we start canceling who can and who can't and where they can and where they can't. It's like, well, he's from a pagan home. I don't know what you do with that one. Jacob was truly a liar, like he was a liar. Now, I prefer to call it, an, he edited his stories. I don't like calling people liars. I really don't. I think people argue on whether or not they lie, and I think we edit more often than we want to admit. But we can admit to editing, but we don't lie because we're Christians. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But he, the God, he was called a liar. He was called a manipulator. Him and his mother's relationship was really bad. Listen, we could do a whole, you know, psychology book on him and his mom. And the way they manipulated her husband and their brother and the, right? I mean, like someone separate those two. Well, they did get separated forever. When he got sent away and he never saw his mother again. But I mean, there's a way in which this man ended up being a father of the nation of Israel. You look at Joseph, he was a slave to save the world. He was a slave that God used, Joseph, to save the, world, the nation that was in uh, starvation. But he was a slave. You look at Moses, he was a murderer. Like, we just, we just would not make these people our friendship group leaders. We just wouldn't. I mean, at least pretend, right? And they didn't. This is who they were. He, he, he used Jephthah, uh, the son of a prostitute an unnamed servant girl to tell Nahum about God, Esther to deliver Israel, Matthew, a tax collector. Tax collectors are still bad people today, but tax collector to write, right? I mean, come on, it's coming here in a minute. But tax, I mean, right? All those rehouse assessments. Anyway, um, I, I digress. Um, tax collector to write about Jesus, right? The king of the Jews. He used a predator after men. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a predator, a real predator, like he searched after people to kill them or have them killed. That's what a predator is. He wrote half the New Testament. I mean, are you not encouraged? Anyone? No, I'm serious. Anyone? I remember when my little sister Lisa, there's seven of us. Um, my little sister Lisa is the youngest. I'm just right in front of her. And uh, Paul Kane called her out one time. She'd barely just gotten saved. Her husband was in prison. And he looked at her and he says, you've been the black sheep of the family. He says, but the Lord says, you will be the black sheep no more. And her life shifted. And I remember thinking, mm, she's a little crazy. <sighs> Come on, you've got siblings, do you not? We all know our siblings. Amen. And now she serves in a way of the most beautiful outpouring her and her husband Ray for the homeless, the poor, the downtrodden, the outcast, the addict that I just go, golly, I got to get in on this. She's going to rule me in heaven. And it's like her life poured out is beautiful and she was no longer the black sheep. Are you with me? That's what God does for us. That's what he's doing for Gideon. 
But Gideon doesn't believe him. And so then God answers all of that. And here's the thing. Gideon goes, hmm, not really convinced this is God talking to me. It's like, who do you think you're talking to? Like, who, like what are you making up in your head? Are you with me? Because he still looks at him and goes, I don't believe you. I don't, I don't think this is God. Can you prove to me now that, now that you've answered everything? Listen, if this was our kid, we would just like have to step back from hurting him. Because he goes, now that you've given me all the good answers, I'm not even convinced it's you I'm talking to. And God goes, okay. God's unmoved. God is unendingly gracious, you guys. Isn't that a beautiful thought? He's unendingly gracious. He's not mad at him for asking all of that. In fact, he says, um, and and so he, he puts out the fleece. It obviously works. He puts out the fleece. He goes, can I do it again? But just the opposite. And God's, sure. I'm not going anywhere. Isn't that beautiful? Wouldn't it be beautiful to really know in your soul, God's not going anywhere. He knows what you're doing in secret, and he's still not going anywhere. Isn't that a great thought? I love that. It makes me want to run into him and tell him more. It doesn't want to, it does, it, it should really cause us to lean in and go, are you? I mean, are you sure you're not going anywhere? I mean, a little bit like get in, like, can I give you just a little bit and see what happens? And then you get to unpack the rest. And so what we see is that he he shows him. And then Gideon believes. He says, now, can I make a sacrifice unto you? And the Lord said, sure. And here's what he says. I will wait for you. Oh, it kind of makes me cry. After all of this, he goes, okay, I need to go get all this stuff to get ready. I'm not even ready. God goes, I'll wait right here. I think it's a beautiful unpacking of a, who a father is and who the God of heaven is and what he's calling us to. Now, I think he's calling us as a corporate people for sure, but I think it's really helpful for us to just zero down into our little households, right? Because that's where we live. It's easy to live in this room. It's harder to live at home. It's harder to live the things he's called us to at home. And so he says, sure, sure, I'll do that. I'll wait for you. And Gideon stopped making excuses. How many of us are making excuses? Why we can't do what the Lord wants us to do with our families as fathers? Well, I've already failed. Well, it never works. Well, she's always mad anyway. She's telling me 15 other ways to do it instead of the way I did it. And why should I have thought that way should have worked? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? Mothers who are overwhelmed and exhausted thinking nothing's working. Children who think their parents don't like them and they can't sustain in this day and age what they need to sustain. I just think of all the ways in which our hearts are screaming and God goes, it's but I need you to have a conversation with me. I need you to come clean. I need you to communicate. I need you to just, a conversation is prayer. You know, we've got a 24-hour prayer room. You know, in that prayer room, I say to people all the time, you know, I'd go in that prayer room and just let yourself cry. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna do that. I go, why? Oh, I wouldn't do that. I go, you know, it's a prayer room. It's hard, isn't it? Thinking somehow someone's gonna look at me and go, it's like, it is. <laughs> right? It is wrong. That's okay. 
I mean, that's okay. It is wrong. No, okay, no shame in your game. Let's just let's work it out. Let's have that conversation with him. Let's be bold. Let's be brave. Let's be men and women of courage. And so in that, he can actually help us. If we aren't even having those conversations, I think it's complicated for us because we're pretending to ourselves all day long we're doing what he wants us to do. But he wants us to make real men and women of courage. I want to be a woman of courage. I want to start speaking to myself the way that God speaks to me. I want to start speaking to the people, or I want to increase, I should say. I think I do. But I want to increase in speaking to myself and increase in speaking to those around me the way God sees them. I want to see what God sees. Don't you, aren't you interested in how God likes the person next to you? I'm interested in that. How do you like me? How do you like this person? They're a little crazy. I mean, they never stop being crazy. They never stop acting out. You're telling me you love this person? God goes, yeah, actually I do. I'm like, okay, you need to give me a few more little something, somethings to keep sitting here with them. And he goes, and then he just starts unpacking. I think, oh, I love this person. And I haven't changed anything other than I'm beginning to see them the way he sees them, who they can be. Now, they haven't changed at this stage. And it's like, okay, but I can actually start calling it out of them. And so, I mean, I think that's what I love about this is the patience and the grace of God that actually calls us out of hiding. Some of you are hiding from the people next to you. Internally, just hiding what you think and feel. I'm not saying we should be hurting each other because we are now going to be free to just say all the unkind things. That's not what I'm saying. I think we have to connect with what's going on inside of me so that I can actually have that conversation with him and then he can mark me and he can talk to me. I can partner with him and I can do what I can get out of that slumber that Israel fell into by not doing the daily disciplines, by not doing the things that they knew to be true, the rigors of life, the rhythms of life. We, life goes well and we just get out of them. And then life goes hard and we start screaming for God again. The beauty is God goes, I'm okay, I'll come back, but I need you to stay present to those things. Does that make sense? And so I, I want to do that. And so what we see is that he ends up confirming him. We, we know to be true that God actually took the armies of, of Gideon down to 300, which were just minuscule. Because God's point is, I want you to connect with it won't be your government. It's not going to be your people. It's not going to be your money. It's not going to be your great leadership. It's not going to be your strength. It's going to be God that actually saves the system. He's going to save this system. Your little president, your last president, your one before, your four coming aren't saving this system. I love you, but it ain't happening. He's setting a system up so that we could go, oh, God saved us. But it's going to get ugly. I, I know it feels ugly. It's going to get uglier because he's setting a system up. And he says, I want this people to be different than the people just wandering the earth. I'm actually supposed to look and feel and act different. That's the goal, amen? But here's the catch. If I'm as cranky as they are, you know, I'm working. And we're all arguing about who's going to make it right. And I'm here to tell you, none of them are. I don't want to argue with people about that. I want to walk in a manner worthy 
of those that are in the great cloud of witnesses going, okay, they're doing it. And so I, I love that because what ends up happening is he commissions him and he accepts his uh, burnt offering. Actually, he burns up his offering, right? His burnt, and he commissions him. And what he does is, hear me, he exchanges his anxiety for peace. That's what it says. His fear is no more. And he exchanges it for peace. Oh, anyone want a little peace? I mean, come on, would that be beautiful? I don't mean peace that you guys aren't arguing. I mean like peace in my soul, the, my, my thought life, the anxiety of my soul, just the anxiety. You know, Matthew 24 says, in that day, they are going to faint from fear. That is panic attacks with anxiety. And think of how many people you know that live with panic attacks, even us. Okay, no shame. Okay, but then we're gonna have to have a conversation. We're gonna have to find out why, where, and how. And then he's gonna, we're gonna start partnering and agreeing with him. We're gonna lean into him and we're gonna say, yes, God, I say yes to this. I'm gonna offer this. I'm going to sign up for classes that help me understand my soul in a different way. I'm gonna sign up for counseling. If you don't like counseling, call it a Bible study. I'm gonna go to a Bible study. It's a one-on-one Bible study. And they're gonna help me learn how to parent. Okay, right? I mean, Christians are so afraid of counseling. It's just the wildest gig. One of the seven spirits of God is spirit of counsel and Christians avoid it at all costs. So call it a Bible study. I'm going to a Bible study. I'm going to a Bible study to figure out how to walk life out in the arena of kindness, arena of anxiety, the arena of pain, the arena of trauma. I have grown up with enormous amounts of trauma in my life, and I had to actually work out how to do it, how to have God mediate his presence, and then how to walk it out because it marks you. And I didn't want to be a crazy girl. And so it's like, okay, then I have to figure out how to do it. Are you with me? So who wants some peace in their soul? Not that you don't have any, but who wants more peace in their soul? Okay, we're going to stand and pray for you. The the team's going to come out, the worship team. And I'm just going to have you stand in your chairs, you know, by your seats, whatever you call it. Stand on your chair. (laughs) Okay, she is a little crazy, but okay. I still got some things I'm working out. So I'm just going to ask the Lord to come and you're going to have a conversation with you and the Lord. It's you and God. You're going to have a conversation where you're not believing him in the areas of your life, where you're not seeing him in the areas of your life, where you want to connect with him in your own personal life, in your family life, in your spouses, in your children, in your parents, your grandparents. Like, where are you not seeing God? He goes, okay. Now, everyone close their eyes. We're just going to ask the Lord to come. We ask you to come rest on us right now, Lord. Just all over this room. That's it. It's just you and Lord. You're talking to them. And I'm asking you, Father, right now, come touch them. I invite you on their behalf. Put your finger on their hearts. Put your finger in the areas that they're not seeing clear. Put your finger in the pockets that they're hiding. 
the anxieties in their soul, the fear in their heart, the way they're gripped with being overwhelmed of how they're going to live, how they're going to hold up the family, how they're going to navigate the children, how they're going to navigate grandchildren. Is God going to be faithful? Is he going to show up? It sure doesn't look like he's shown up so far. Why should I start believing you, God? I want to believe you, God. I want to align myself with the truth of who you are in my life. I have to read my Bible to do that. I have to read my Bible to know what he's saying, to even be able to align myself. Touch them, Lord, all over this room. Just stay there for a moment. Just stay there for a moment. You're before the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to Sunday Sermon. For more information, service times, and free teaching resources, visit forerunnerchurch.com.